Well, let's praise the one who is alive. Hallelujah. We're glad to see you here today. If you would just stand at your feet as we worship together. Amen.
we lift our hands, Lord, it's a sign of surrender. It's like a little kid looking up to their parent wanting to be held. We, we surrender to you today. For you are wonderful. Lord, Lord, and, and we can't fully express it. We may not even fully comprehend all of it, but what we do know is you are God and you are good and we worship you and we love you and we give ourselves to you. So we praise you today and we worship you. But there's nothing more that we can do but just give all of ourselves. Not just our inward being, but our physical self. We give it to you. Every part of who we are, our heart, our soul, our mind, all of our strength, we love you. So we praise you today, Jesus. There is no other, there's no other way. Lord, we've tried lots of stuff and we found out it is not anything that can replace you. So we surrender today. We surrender. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How about you just start speaking some praise out to him from your own heart? If you don't know what else to say, just say, I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I love you. Just speak some praise from your own heart today. Lord, your name is high above. Oh, Jesus. Glory to your name. Lord Jesus, that all the things you have done for us, we thank you. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for teaching us a new way. We thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Lord, we thank you for your patience and your working with us. We thank you for the ongoing work in our lives. We thank you for every blessing. We thank you for every bit of wisdom you have given. We thank you, Lord. For the Holy Spirit move among us. Have your way. Blow in this place like the wind blows. We worship you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. That we call upon your name and we believe that you respond. That we praise you and we believe that you inhabit our praise. That your spirit is here with us. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, my goodness. Oh, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Let's just continue to praise him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We praise you. strong 
praise you, Jesus. talks about David mighty man before God very flawed guy but mighty man killed the lion killed the bear killed Goliath great in battle right you know you know David also penned a good chunk of the Psalms that was you know the Psalms for the most part are written in a way that they're supposed to be sung the Psalms of the early church of the Jewish people were like the hymn book. They were the, it was the prayer book. 
that they used. They recited the songs. They sang the songs. David, though the mighty man that he was, though flawed, was a man of intense worship. There's even a story in the Bible where they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in and David's before he's dancing before the Lord so hard his clothes were falling off and his wife got mad about it. Embarrassed that he would act such a way. There's no shame in worshiping God. There's no shame of expression of worship because of who he is. If you really believe that, if you believe, there's no shame be free in expression before him. There's so many things in the Bible that talk about you clapping your hands, to, to raising your hands, to bowing down, to singing, to dancing before the Lord. There's no shame in the expression of praise and worship. As a matter of fact, it is an expression of his goodness. Amen. That we're, we're a congregation of people that simply worship him. of who he is for what he's done. Amen. Praise you. Worship. What, what's the fourth song? Okay, what's the last song? Okay. Uh, sing this. Okay. We'll close out with one more song. So I just want to encourage you. Let's just praise him and worship him one more time. But right before we do that, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. Let him know. Tell him that. God is good. I'm 
morning everybody live streamers wherever you're at Facebook YouTube it's good to have you and of course uh, live streams wonderful but if you can get here in person please do so love for you to be a part of what's happening in the house but it's good to see everybody this morning I'm dropping stuff up here there we go 
Everybody had a wonderful Easter last week, I'm assuming. I know we had a good time in church, so it's good to see you back again today. My wife is in Tennessee. She ditched me for the weekend. Um, my, my, my son Gavin and his wife Maddie uh, uh, bought a, a place and they were moving this weekend. So she went down to help him move and my son Ryan went. And uh, so they'll be back today at some point. They're going to, my son Gavin uh, is a young adult pastor at a church in Nashville. So they're at his church this morning. And it's a wonderful church, by the way. And, uh, but they'll be back today. So that's where she's at, uh, just helping them get settled in and moving is a, how many, how many have ever moved before? It is just a, how many of you hate moving? Yeah, I told my wife, if we ever move again, I'm not doing nothing. You're gonna hire a moving company, and I'm just gonna watch them do the work. That's my plan. I told her, save your pennies, because I hate moving. When we, when we first moved to Ohio from Pennsylvania, within the first five years, we moved like six times. It was just rentals, and we were just kind of jumping around, kind of getting better in our situation. I was just like, I'm over it. So anyways, yeah. Uh, tithe and offering. If you have something to give this morning, offering envelopes from the chairs in front of you. If not, uh, Chris got uh, offering envelopes. And he also had prayer cards and praise cards, too. So if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray over those with you. Grab one of those from Chris. Or if you have a praise report, something wonderful that's happening, an answer to prayer, uh, we'd love to hear about that, too. So wave your hand around and, and tell Chris what you want. Uh, but we appreciate your giving. It's a blessing to us and all the things that you see happening happen because you're giving, but not just here in the house, but everything we do in our community you fund it, and uh, the reason you give is because you believe in something, and you believe in what God is doing, and we believe uh, that God multiplies in wisdom and good stewardship uh, the finances that come in. Amen? All right, so I'm going to have uh, Judah stand up and pray over the offering this morning, right where he's at, and when Judah's done praying, you can bring it down to the bucket, and he didn't know he was doing this, but I like to put him on the spot. So, all right, shoot. Amen. Thank you, Judah. If you have something, you can bring it down to the uh, basket, buckets, wherever these things are. Let me, let me give you some announcements while that's happening. First, uh, don't forget the women's uh, event coming up on April 29th. It's just a couple weeks away. There's a sign up at the back for that. That's 10 a.m. to 2 uh, in the afternoon. There's uh, lunch provided and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you have questions, when Margo's back Wednesday, next Sunday, you can ask her. But please sign up so they can prep properly for that. By the way, we had a good time with the guys hang out on Friday. So and I know the women's are going to have a better time here in a couple of weeks. So uh, please sign up for that. Uh, water baptism. 
uh, the first Sunday of May on May the 7th. So water baptism is an outward expression of what God has done, new creation inwardly. So if you want to be water baptized, please sign up for that. And then if you sign up, I'll get with you about that. But, but we want to continue in the things that Jesus asked of us. And one of those is that uh, baptism in the community of faith. It's a witness to what God is doing in your life. Uh, also, that same day, May the 7th, we have uh, Youth Hangout Squared. In other words, we do the second and fourth Wednesday during church. We have Youth Hangout during church. But we're going to start a quarterly youth service on Sunday nights where they have their own worship, their own message, their own time together right here in the sanctuary. We're going to give them some, some room to grow, elbow room, spread their wings a little bit. So that is May 7th at 6 p.m. Okay, so that's a wonderful time for uh, 5th to 12th grade to get together, but invite some friends out to that. So if you've got questions about that, you can see me. Um, Joy Fellowship is next Sunday. Bill and Patsy lead that small group in our church, age 55 and up, but anybody can go. Uh, and they spend time in the Word, and they, and they do uh, something we all love to do. They eat food together. So you can bring food out, and, uh, but if you don't have something, they have plenty of food. So if you have questions about that, see them. And also, uh, first time I'm going to let you know about this, mark this down. May the 21st, uh, a Sunday, we're having a vision casting Sunday. So the message will be closed up around 11 o'clock. We'll have everybody bring some food in, and if you are a member of this church, you call this your church home, I'm going to invite you to stay so we can cast some vision for the rest of this year and into the next year, just things that we're, we're working towards uh, and things like that. So that's May the 21st. And a couple of little side things real quick. I'm sorry, it's a lot. I apologize. But uh, we're headed towards a uh, kind of a spring cleaning in the church in May, and I'm giving you forewarning. The coat rack is full of coats left here from the winter. Uh, there's books and stuff back there. So if that stuff belongs to you, please grab it uh, or else it may disappear in the near future. Um, uh, parking, by the way, parking. Uh, if you can help us, I know our parking lot gets full, but if you're younger and full of vigor, uh, we ask you to park at the funeral home across the road or street parking. That can leave some of our older folks use our parking lot. That would help us out a little bit. Uh, so uh, there's nobody here that comes here it's a hassle getting into the church okay so help us with parking and also just one little quick thing i just need to throw this out because i get questions about this believe it or not uh, we serve a coffee before church when church starts we put it away so when we do the meet and greet time the coffee's not out okay if there's leftover coffee we put it out after service that way because during the meet and greet time we have people going back getting into cabinets and all that kind of stuff you know, when church starts, we're ready for church at that point, and that stuff can come back out after church. Sound good? All right. Got your Bibles today, Mark chapter 4. But I'm glad you're here, and uh, I believe God is up to some stuff around here. What do you think? Amen. I think he's doing some good things among us. Mark chapter 4, we are uh, continuing sort of after Easter stories. So Jesus is resurrected, and we believe that. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus last Sunday. And after his resurrection, there is a phrase that Jesus repeats to the disciples. And I want to talk to you about that phrase today. The phrase is, peace be with you. And it's something that he says when he encounters the disciples after his resurrection. And we'll talk about what that's about in just a few moments here. But my hope for you today is that you begin to find peace in Jesus. Peace of mind and peace of heart. 
You see, our world in a large sense is absent of peace. Peace to know at the end of the day that you can take a deep breath and feel comforted. Now, now fear, though technically is not exactly the opposite of peace, but fear does run rampant in our societies, and for good reason. As a matter of fact, uh, during our 21 days of prayer, at the beginning of the year, a lot of you filled out prayer cards, and we have them up here in this, uh, uh, whatever that is, on, on top of the speaker there, and your prayer requests are in there. We, we still pray over those. The word that showed up the most on the prayer request cards was the word fear. It was in a lot of different contexts and, and, and things, but it showed up a lot. So I want to talk to you about peace today, the peace of Jesus. Peace be with you, because we live in a world that has a lot of fear. So Mark chapter 4, in verse number 35, is, is a story before the resurrection of Jesus. And I think if you've been around church a bit, you know this story. But I want to read it to you again and talk about it for a moment. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And, and, and by the way, there, there was a handful of the disciples that were experienced fishermen. This was not like a bunch of rookies getting out on a boat somewhere. I've been, I've been out in the water with people in canoes and kayaks that were rookies. It's kind of fun to watch. Now, of course, I was a rookie at one time with it, but, but I've been on a boat quite a bit. My, I love to kayak and spend time out there. But I, I, especially canoes. You ever see new people get in a canoe? Yeah, it's just kind of fun. Sometimes they end up in the water. The boat's tipped over. They're fishing for their stuff, trying to stay above the water. You know, lots of stuff happens. But there were disciples that were experienced fishermen. So being on the Sea of Galilee in boats is nothing new to them. So verse 37. And a great windstorm arose. And the winds and waves were breaking into the boat. So that the boat was already filling. That's not good. That, that happened to me. I was on Indian Lake. Ever been to Indian Lake? I was on Indian Lake in a kayak, and I, my friend Paul was with me, and we were both in kayaks on Indian Lake, and it was a super, super windy day. And a lot of times we'll go fishing there, but we'll fish the backwaters and whatnot, but we were actually out on the lake, and the wind got so choppy that my boat was just pounding like this. Water was coming in. Paul has one of those little pump systems, which I didn't have. He's trying to pump water, and both of us ended up in the water. Now, what was really just ignorant on my part, I was not wearing my life jacket. Not smart. So my life jacket was on the back of my canoe, and there's like a, a rope webbing back there. So I'm trying to get it, and, and, but I'm just bobbing. And, and another thing you need to know about me, there's a lot of things I can do, but I'm not a good swimmer. My wife actually laughs at me about it. She, she was a swimmer, a uh, competition swimmer in high school, right? So every time we were ever swimming, she just always makes fun of me because I'm not a good swimmer. I, I, don't, I cannot float. Anybody else have this trouble? I sink. I, I, I try to float on my back. I, I just can't float. I just sink. I don't know what it is. So swimming, eventually you get tired because I, I just can't stop and tread water. I just like a rock. Anyhow, 
So I'm like bobbing in the water, and I finally get my one arm in my life jacket, so I'm sort of hanging in there, and fortunately a pontoon boat saw us. We're over. Paul's a great swimmer. He was doing fine. I was not. But they fished us out of the water, got our boats overturned, got the way, and we were able to make it back to land. But I've been in that, that, that experience. It can be a little scary, right? So this is what's happening. The boats are being swamped with water, okay? Uh, verse 38, but he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. It, can you imagine that? Now, Jesus had been in ministry. He's teaching. Jesus was human, right? He was tired. And he's in the boat, in the stern. While the storm is happening so much, the winds are blowing water into the boat. The boat's being swamped. He's sound asleep. But they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. Now watch, this is amazing. It's a miracle. One of the miracles we see of Jesus in the Bible. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. The wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, the ones that were in the boat with him, he turned to them and asked them a couple questions. The first question is, why are you so afraid? And have you still no faith? A couple of important questions there. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They were still figuring out that the creator God was in the boat with them. That the one who made all this stuff was there. See, this story is found in, in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Matthew and Luke only say that he rebuked the winds and the waves. Mark is the one that records actually what he says. He said to it, no, no, he speaks to the wind, he speaks to the sea, he speaks to the waves, he tells them, peace, be still. What's interesting about those two words is that it is actually as he's literally talking to them, as if the storm was talking to them, almost like a conversation. Because that word peace actually means quiet. It means silence. So you, you could translate that and say, uh, the first thing he says is, be quiet, be silenced. And then be still, uh, that could be said like this. Be mute, be muzzled, just shush. That's what he was saying to the winds and waves. Pretty amazing. As if there was a conversation. How many know when there's trouble in your life, it's like that trouble can speak to you in a certain way? How many know what I'm talking about? Like it has something to say. It unsettles your heart. It unsettles your moment. It makes your mind worry, full of anxious, fearful. But Jesus is speaking to these moments, and he's saying, listen, just shh. Quiet. Be still. You really don't have anything to say. Just shush. And the amazing thing is the actual physical storm listened to him. There's, there's a song that we sing sometimes. There's, there's a line in that song that says, the winds and the waves still know his name. Amen. I love that. See, in the midst of Jesus dealing with this storm, 
He turns to those that are in the boat with him with those two questions. Listen, I understand, okay, I, I saw what was happening, but why were you afraid? And beyond that, do you still have no faith? I'm here in the boat with you. Where is your faith? Where is your belief? Where is your trust? Right? Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? And, and rightly so, the disciples were afraid. My, my goodness, can you imagine? That, that this giant storm was just calmed by Jesus saying, be still, quiet, and just. The next time it's a nasty storm outside, go out on your front porch and watch it. Thunder, lightning, wind blowing, you know, that whole business like it happens here in Ohio that's so flat and the wind just goes sailing through this state. And just think that just like that, Jesus spoke and just went. The power of who he is in his words in his presence. See, Elijah, throw that first slide up. Here's something I want you to understand. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but it is the understanding that the creator God is with you. And you put that in your heart. Peace is not the absence of that there will be trouble in life because we will face trouble. But peace is an understanding, it is faith, it's trust, that in the midst of trouble, God is with me in the boat, and he hasn't left me. Therefore, I can have peace. Because somehow, some way, I'm going to be seen through. That's what peace is about. It is the work of Jesus that brings us peace. And it's a story of the bigger picture of the work of Jesus, the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, there's, there's three little side notes about, about peace I want to throw out to you real quick. Remember in the book of Isaiah, the, the, the wonderful prophecy about the birth of Jesus. And, and you hear this at Christmas a lot. That prophecy that he shall be called what? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of, Prince of what? Prince of Peace. And it's, it's, it's wonder in those different aspects of, of these titles of Jesus. You see, you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all mixed up in there, the Trinity at work. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace because of this. Ultimately, his work on the cross brings reconciliation of relationship between man and God. He's the mediator. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And, and as the Bible says in, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So ultimately, the first work of Jesus is to bring reconciled peace with God. Man and God are no longer at odds with each other because of sin. Jesus takes care of it. What happens is that in that, that reconciled relationship that brings peace, it then speaks to then how we live our life with him. Another little side note is this. Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they shall be called, what? The sons of God. That's in Matthew chapter 5. 
Now, it's interesting that whole line shall be called sons of God. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the Son of God. And if you learn to be a peacemaker like the Son of God, you are like sons of God. See how that works? So part of the activity of our lives as believers and those who have been reconciled with God is we learn how to be peacemakers in this world. And the first step of being a peacemaker is the way Jesus did the gospel. We share the gospel. We're a light in the world so people can find that place of reconciled relationship where there is peace then between that person and God right here, right? But it also speaks to how Jesus did it too. There's a certain way to be a peacemaker, right? Now, what I often hear in this kind of third side note, what I often hear... Uh, when we talk about peace and, and being a peacemaker, there, there's a, a scripture in Matthew 10, and it's also mirrored in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus says, I didn't actually bring peace, but I brought a sword. And people bring that up, and I think often they bring it up because they don't want to be a peacemaker. They want to approach the world with a sword instead of peace. But they're going at it in the wrong way. Jesus said that initially to his hearers, because they believed that the Messiah would bring political peace to Israel. Overthrow Roman rule, reestablish Israel as a great nation, as it was in the days of David and Solomon. Therefore, they would have peace at that time. And Jesus said, what I'm going to do is not going to bring that peace. It'll bring a sword instead. And that also trickles down to then, also what he was really talking about then, is the fact that, well, it may bring division among family, and friends for those who believe and those who don't believe. It doesn't bring peace to a relationship. It may bring a sword to a relationship because a husband may find Jesus, but a wife may not, and they may find themselves at odds because of it. And it brings a sword and not peace. That's what Jesus is talking about there. He's not giving you a reason to go at the world with a sword instead of peace. He's talking about what the gospel may do in division in the world. We have to see that the right way that we are called to be peacemakers with the gospel of Jesus in our world because he is the prince of peace. Amen. So Jesus, in this ongoing work of the kingdom of what it means in new creation, brings peace to our lives. So let's go post-resurrection here. John chapter 20. And verse number 19. John chapter 20 and verse number 19 is said, and this is after the resurrection. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. Why? For fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, What? Peace be with you. They're, they're hiding the events of the crucifixion, and even though the reports of the resurrection and, and all this, they're still hiding out of fear of what? That the Jews may take them and kill them too. That's why the disciples scattered, remember? And the first words of Jesus when he sees them, when he gets among them, it's, it's interesting, the doors were locked and somehow he goes in there. It's a, a little snippet of May, what the resurrection looks like, okay? The first words, we can say maybe the first words of the kingdom are, peace be with you. And when he said this, 
He showed him his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now watch, he doubles up here. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even though I am sending you. Now, watch that. What were the disciples doing? They were in some place with the doors locked because they were scared. And Jesus comes in and twice he says, peace be with you. Your fear needs to, to come down. Matter of fact, the Father sent me. Guess what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to send you. You're going to have to get out of this locked room. And your fear is going to have to subside. And you're going to have to get out there with the message of who I am. That's what he's saying. In this moment, he's dealing with their fear. Verse 26, another time, and this is specifically to deal with Thomas. We're going to talk about Thomas and his doubt next Sunday. Verse 26 there, and eight days later, his disciples were, what, where were they? They were inside again. But this time, Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, again, they're in a closed room with the doors locked, probably in fear. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He's in the process of calming the fears of having to live life now in the light of the resurrection of who he is. Peace be with you. See, the disciples were still in sort of a shock of, of what has happened with the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. This is all happening with a couple weeks of that. They knew Jesus was crucified and, and killed. They were still putting things together. And Jesus brings this word of peace. In other words, he's saying, look, this is good and this is right. And this is how things are going to be. So take heart. In other words, Jesus is alive, and he's with you. He's in the boat. He's standing in your locked room where you're hiding in fear. And Jesus is saying, peace be with you. The result of the resurrection and the ongoing work of God in our lives is that we can have peace. Not that there's going to be absence of trouble, but an understanding that God is with us. You can look at yourself in the morning. I'm assuming in the morning when you get up, you actually look at yourself before you go out, right? In the mirror, hopefully. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, shower, maybe, I don't know, whatever your morning routine is. And you can look at yourself and say, peace be with you. My life may not be absent of trouble, but God is with me. So have peace. A peace where you take heart. A peace at night before you go to bed, you can take a deep breath and go, it's going to be all right. This world is a crazy place, but you know what? It's going to be all right. God is with me. That's peace. And here's the reason, because one of the last things he said before he sent it is, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He has made peace between man and God with his work on the cross, but now he is with us as we continue life. You are never alone. Have you ever felt alone in life? I mean, some of you are married, but you still feel alone. 
Some of you got close friends, but you still feel alone. You're not alone. God is with you. And he will not forsake you. Paul writes in a very, very wonderful way that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, neither past, nor the present, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Amen. He's with you. Even if you've got a storm going on and your boat's being swamped by water. Jesus is right there. But what's he going to say to you? Why are you so afraid? Why are you fearful? See, these winds and the waves, they still know my name. That hasn't stopped. What are you worried about? Why are you so anxious? Wait, what? You say, look, this storm is real. I mean, that, that was a literal storm on that water. It may be, not be like that. It may not be storm. It may be something physical, maybe financial, whatever, relational. It's real, and it can be damaging. I understand. It's not minimizing any of that. We face life. But you're still, still going to say to you, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Where is your trust that you really believe that I haven't left you and I haven't forsaken you and that somehow, some way, I'm going to see you through? Where is that? Elijah, throw that second slide up, please. So here's a saying I want to take with you. I'm drawing these from some different passages of Scripture that we're going to read in a minute. Peace be with you, the words of Jesus. May it rule your heart. In other words, trouble and fear, it doesn't have place within you, but that peace would rule your heart. That be multiplied to you, in other words, grow in you. At all times, in other words, in every season, in every moment, in everything you face, in every way, in other words, in all things. Peace be with you. May it rule your heart. May it be multiplied to you at all times and every way. That's why I want you to take today. The, the disciples, the apostles, they caught this. They got it. First of all, because we know that eventually they quit locking themselves in a room out of fear. Right? They took the gospel to the world, and the vast majority of them were killed for it, by the way. They had such peace in their heart and taking the gospel to the world that they gave their lives for it. That's how much that, that peace ultimately cast out fear. Doesn't mean they were never troubled or worried. Never, doesn't mean they, these things don't crop up in a moment. They didn't live in fear so much that they locked themselves in a room. But they took the gospel to the world. But another way we know that they caught this is by the epistles that we see in the New Testament, the writings of, of Paul and of, of John and of Peter, James, right? So what I'm going to do is, is don't, don't go there, Elijah. I'm just going to read you some things. 
that we see in the epistles of the New Testament. Sometimes in the greeting of the letter, sometimes in the closing of the letter that was written. Listen to this. Romans chapter 1, verse number 7. Paul writes, To those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul again, Galatians chapter 1, and verse number 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 14. Greet one another with the kiss of love. I'll pass. But peace to all of you, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Peter again in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude chapter 1, verse number 2. May mercy Peace and love be multiplied to you. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And those are just a handful of the many that are in the, the writings of the disciples and the apostles. Constantly bringing up peace. Why? Because they caught it. They got it. They understood it. What Jesus was trying to instill in them, it, it grabbed the hold. They understood that peace is important because we will face trouble in our world. Second Thessalonians, let's turn there. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16, one of the scriptures I drew from with a slide that was just up. How Paul is ending this letter to the church and Thessalonica. Now may the Lord, may the Lord of what? May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. He's still the Lord of peace. Wanting to bring peace to your life. In all times, in every way that the Lord is with us all. Here's a couple of passages. We'll close with these. In the Gospel of John, before the crucifixion, when Jesus is talking with the disciples, two different places, he, he talks about peace. John chapter 14, verse number 27. John chapter 14, and verse 27. He just got finished talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what that means. Knowing about what's to happen, he, he understands the disciples and what they're going to go through in just a little while longer. This is what Jesus said, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He knew they were about to go through watching his crucifixion, all their hopes and their dreams may be dashed with it, knowing there's going to be a resurrection, but they're not catching it yet. He sees the trouble and the fear that is coming. He says, look, listen, take my peace. I give you peace. If you want it, you can have it. In, in the situations of life that seem to be crazy and seem like it's out of control and seem like you can't get a grip on it, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. 
Because the Friday of the crucifixion, no, they didn't understand it, ended up with the resurrection on Sunday. Here's the thing. We know the end of that story. And the peace of Jesus continues on because he's still with us. Amen. One more, John chapter 16. In verse number 33. Now, Jesus, again, warning about what is coming. Kind of telling his disciples, again, they're not understanding fully what's happening. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You can have peace. Because Jesus has overcome this world. It's, it's still being played out, still being worked out. But the Jesus who rose from the dead, who calms the winds and the waves at a word, has overcome this world. That's why you can have his peace and have heart. Again, my desire for you today is that you begin to find peace in Jesus. As the book of Philippians says, chapter 4, it says, my paraphrase here, if you got troubles and you got worries and life is happening and things are crazy and seems out of control, cast it to him with prayer. And in thanksgiving, in other words, yeah, I know who you are, and I thank you that you're still with me. And when you do that, the Bible says there, and Paul writes, that this peace that passes all understanding, in other words, there's a peace of God that goes beyond your circumstance, that it makes no sense why you would have peace in the middle of that storm. It passes all understanding. And that peace will begin to guard your heart, who you are, as a person and also guard your mind because your mind can do crazy stuff can worry and get anxious and run things over in the middle of the night and you can't sleep because you're too worried and, and you become fearful so guard your heart and your mind in him because he's in the boat he's in the boat and he's not going to be mean not going to be rude not going to be frustrated. But he's going to look at you and grab your hand and say, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Where's your faith at? I'm right here. Trust me. Believe. I'm going to see you through. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. All, all the prayer requests, don't be fearful. Fearful of a situation. Fearful, and some of it was just in, in living life, fear of things. Listen, don't be fearful. I'm not saying those things aren't real, but don't be fearful of them. Fear steals your moments. It steals your days. It makes you worry about things that haven't happened yet. 
always waiting for the next shoe to drop or something like that. Don't let it steal your days and your future. Live in peace. I can't promise you today or tomorrow is going to be perfect, but I can promise you you're going to get through. That's why I can promise. Because I believe in him. He's going to help you. Some of you simply need to start to relax into who he is and to trust him and see what he would do. So here's, here's how I want to close today. I am going to ask for a response today because I want to spend a moment with you. I'm a very carefree individual. There's not really much in life that puts me in fear. I used to be scared of heights, but that's a whole other story. But I'm not, I'm not worried about life. And sometimes I, I don't, it's not, uh, I don't identify necessarily with these kind of things that happen with me. But yet I know enough to know that tangible prayer, the joining of faith, can help bring a realization of a God who is tangible, though we can't see him. And a reminder that he is with you. And to once again, to cast these things to him, to allow that peace that will come guard your hearts and your minds in him. Okay? So I'm gonna ask you in just a minute, if you've got fear in your life, you're just fearful of something, I'm gonna ask you to come down so I can pray with you. We'll take another step. You're just constantly bugged with anxiety, worry. Come down and pray with you. Let me just say something. Is it sin to be fearful? No. Is it sin to have worry and anxiety? No. But I don't want it to plague your life. The enemy can use that. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I want you to be free of it. Now, has there ever been any moments that have come up in my life where I was anxious a little bit or worried? Certainly things happen, but not to live that way and stay in it. There's a difference. If my wife was driving home today and I couldn't get a hold of her for a while, I'd be like, okay, I, I, don't worry. But I want to live in fear of life and things that are happening. I'm kind of trapped by it. You know what I mean? I believe Jesus can give you peace. So, so if you all would, would stand up, please. And if, and if you would like someone to join with you in, in prayer this morning, ask, just come on down right now. Not wait. Break the ice. Somebody can come. A handful of you will just spend time. And I just ask the rest of you, just be patient while we pray, okay? Anybody else? Come on down. Give you all just a second. Respond to what's in your heart. 
Jesus. Now, if I could have a little help from our prayer team, uh, who would come and just get, stand behind some of these people, all right, and, and come join me, get ladies with ladies and guy with the guy down here. That'd be really cool. Live stream, we're going to shut off in just a second. It's good to have you today. If you have prayer requests, please post them online. We'll pray as soon as we're done. Now, I'm going to turn my mic off. I'm just going to pray down the line here. Tamara's going to do something with you. If you guys just want to worship for a moment and be patient with us, then we'll dismiss right after that, okay?